Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Maybe I'm just like weird. Maybe I'm crunchy. This is the Southern Tea with Lindsay Chrisley. I think it's so funny when you get Christmas cards and all of these people write their children's accomplishments on the back. I don't love them. A Southern girl and a boy mom who's trying to navigate life while staying true to her roots. I am a functioning, non-functioning human being right now. Join Lindsay each week as she swears to spill the tea, the whole tea, and nothing but the tea. That is the tea. Here's Lindsay. Good morning and welcome back to another episode of the Southern Tea. This is an exciting day because I have what has become one of Mm -hmm. my closest friends on this episode today and it is Justin Paperny from White Collar Advice, prison professors. He is an author and a prison consultant, a dad, Mm -hmm. a husband. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, welcome. Thank you. It's good good to be in Georgia. Um, we're, we do different around here, right? It's a little different. Yeah. It's a little different. Yeah, yeah. A little different than LA. <laughs> so give us all of the tea, like all the background. Um, I'll go into how we met, but mm-hmm. I want to hear a little bit about you, maybe things that I don't know, but, um, introduce yourself to my audience. Well, thanks for the invitation. Like so many people who become immersed in a government investigation, I never thought in a million years I would end up in one. And once I learned that I was in trouble, I responded poorly. I prevaricated and lied to the government, to my lawyers. And I did what so many people do once they're in trouble. They take things from bad to worse. I just didn't know how to respond and prepare. Uh, To background, I grew up in Los Angeles, Encino, which is a Jewish enclave about 20 minutes outside Los Angeles. As a young man, baseball was an obsession of mine. It carried me through USC, where I played on the baseball team. After I graduated in 1997, I began building my career as a stockbroker at Merrill Lynch and Bear Stearns. My primary focus was working with professional baseball players and hedge fund managers. And about six years into my career, despite having hundreds of millions of dollars under management and a very successful business, I found myself making bad decisions on behalf of one client. And those bad decisions eventually led to a criminal investigation in January of 2005. In April of 2005, the FBI showed up at my home. I lied to the FBI. I didn't know how to respond. I was so scared. I didn't know anyone oh that God. I didn't know anyone that had ever been to mm. prison. You mm. just see it on television. I didn't know how to respond. Lied to lied to the lawyers and the government, and then nothing happened for a year. That's the crazy thing about white collar crime or government investigations in general. You're working, you're living your life, and then suddenly a year or two will pass, and then just like that, they're back at your home arresting you or notifying you that we're going to indict you. And I just didn't see it coming. That's the scariest part about the federal government is how slow they move, but how thorough they move. Mm -hmm. Um, They truly have, in my opinion, their investigation done by the time you have been indicted. Well, that's, that's a very salient point. I've had the privilege of lecturing at the FBI Academy in Virginia. And when I was introduced to speak to agents, the agent who arrested me, who invited me, said something akin to, when we show up at a defendant's home, 95% of the work is done. It's the bottom of the eighth inning. Yet defendants think, oh, they just showed up. It's just starting. No, no, no. They're done. The question is, what do you choose to do once you're in the crosshairs of a government investigation? So many people like me tend to make matters worse. And part of our goal, whether it's through our nonprofit prison professors, where we give everything away for free, or through White Collar Advice, which is the for-profit consulting company I run, the initial task is don't make matters worse. Mm-hmm. And so many people like me, unfortunately, do. So 
quick question. Um, you were indicted on what were your charges? I, I pled guilty to one count of conspiracy to commit securities fraud, and I pled guilty February 2007, and I was sentenced February 2008 to 18 months in a minimum security camp. I did the best I could at the last minute to try to prepare for sentencing, but I couldn't undo all of the bad decisions that I made. As I've said previously, I was a lazy defendant. I outsourced all of the work to my lawyers thinking, hey, I've paid them. They have it all covered. I didn't embrace the value of self-advocacy, of trying to change the narrative through my own words and my own efforts. Instead, I sat around my house all day wondering how I ended up here. I wasn't supposed to end up here. Mm -hmm. And as a result of never getting going and taking measurable specific action, I paid a a harder price than I should have by getting sentenced to 18 months in federal prison. And then thankfully, I began to get it together once I got there. But one of my biggest regrets is I wish I had started sooner. A couple of questions. Um, United States is one of the only countries that uh, recognizes conspiracy that you can be federally charged, Mm -hmm. right? I believe that's right. Okay, yeah. It's it's a very easy way. Conspiracy is one of the easiest ways to to tie people together. There are people that are indicted in conspiracies that don't even know each other. We saw that in the the very popular Varsity Blues case where our company had nine or ten clients. It's like a parent in California who paid to get their kid into a school was a co-conspirator with a parent in New York who paid to get their kid into school, yet they didn't know each other. So mm-hmm. it's a very way to to tie criminal conduct together. Well, and um, just from what I've learned, you can pretty much, once they've charged you with conspiracy, um, it's basically you should have known. That, that's correct. We have so many people that go to prison under the idea you knew or mm-hmm. should have known. Willful blindness, turning the other way for money has become a very... I don't want to say easy, but it's a way that the government indicts people. Even in my sentencing hearing, Judge Wilson said, I'm tired of turning salesmen turning the other way for money. Most don't get caught. You did. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make an example out of you and send you to prison. That's a, a big reason so many people go to prison. The government will acknowledge this person is not going to reoffend. This person is not going to break the law again. He's been out for three years working lawfully. In my case, from start to finish, it was three and a half years. It's the deterrence component, the idea that if Justin Papernia is sentenced to federal prison in California, it may deter a Goldman Sachs stockbroker in New York from breaking the law. I don't know if there's mm-hmm. evidence to suggest deterrence works, but it's an argument the government or a judge frequently uses when sending people to federal prison. Um, next question. In your specific case, did they offer you a deal um, or no? They did not offer me a deal because I lied to the government after I got into trouble. I actually engaged in what we called obstruction of justice. So I didn't have any chance to really get on their good side. So while this was transpiring, my co-defendant, who the government would argue was more culpable, I was involved tangentially, he began to cooperate. So while nothing happened, the government showed up, I interviewed with them and nothing happened for a year. During that window, he was cooperating, calling people, including me, wearing a wire. And even though he was more culpable because he was cooperating, he was looking at a shorter federal prison sentence. Mm-hmm. So the, the initial deal looked like 31 months in, in federal prison. There was restitution. I paid back as much as I possibly could. That impacted my sentencing. The government asked for 24 months, and Judge Wilson gave me 18 months in the minimum security camp. Wow. So can you tell me a little bit um, about your sentencing day? Because that was a very, very rough day for my family because it's basically you know, you have been found guilty on mm-hmm. these charges. Um, want to back up for a second. You're actually lucky that you didn't get an obstruction charge. That's right. Like, you're very lucky. Um, uh, they could have. They they could have. And I think had I not lied to them when they interviewed me, there's a chance they wouldn't even refer to for prosecution. So something we, mm-hmm. we strive to do, whether it's through prison professors or white-collar advice, 
when you're in the post-defense conduct stage, everything you do matters. And so many people mm-hmm. make decisions without considering how it will influence their case, their future, their length in, in federal prison. We just react because we're not prepared. Or we read something online and we think it's true. Or we get mm-hmm. advice from someone who has good intentions, but it's the wrong advice. Or you have people who tell you what you want to hear, which is what I had. I had uh, mm-hmm. some sycophants around me. I think lawyers with whom I was paying initially. Mm-hmm. Uh, my friends who said, dude, we love you. We support you. You're JP. You're our buddy. You've never mm-hmm. done anything wrong. They're not going to send you to prison. If you were doing bad things, why are they letting you sell real estate like I was doing in Calabasas? How are they letting you travel the country to work and if you were a bad guy, you'd be in prison. I'm like, yeah, I think you're you're right. They're not mm-hmm. going to send me to prison. And you come to believe in an so doing, you make decisions that exacerbate your struggle. So they could have hit me with obstruction. And uh, I'm fortunate they didn't. Yes, you're very fortunate. Um, so sentencing day, that was a terrifying day because you go in and know that you know, there's this this guideline and, and you're going to fall somewhere either on the low end, mm-hmm. possibly the highest end maybe lower. Um, that was very, very scary. Just the unknown. That's right. I, I in my experience and a lot of people who go through it, the, the sentencing day can be easier than the day that you're even convicted or plead guilty. Cause it, you, at least you get some clarity. So mm-hmm. I'm not 18 months to me felt like forever, 12 years or seven years. It feels like an eternity, but at least you have some clarity because mm-hmm. waiting for sentencing, it's difficult to sleep. And while many people in our community are living in beautiful homes and they're traveling, it doesn't change that they already feel imprisoned. So many people are begging, hoping to get to that sentencing day. And due to COVID and other issues, they get extended, extended, extended. And we're not getting credit for time in federal prison. I would argue you're, you're Todd, Julie, everyone, they're serving their time, but they serve time before that is what we, we just don't that. get. We just don't get credit for it. I told my dad that after you and I had connected, um, I said, you know, just for perspective, you've been fighting this for so long that you've been serving time and being miserable and going through all of these motions that you're not even getting credit for. So when you do eventually report, it it will be a sad day, but at the same time, you're going to start getting credit, you know, for those days. That's exactly how, how I felt. The, the toughest time I think was even between the sentencing and the surrender mm-hmm. because the the inevitable is coming. You always hold out hope before a sentencing hearing, like maybe I'll get probation. Maybe I am different and special. Even mm-hmm. though the guidelines call for three, four, or five years, maybe it won't happen to me. Mm-hmm. But you hear the number and then you look at your family. In my case, they were victims who spoke. And I, I tried to put myself in their shoes and recognize if I were them, I would be angry too. If I were mm-hmm. them, I would want prison too. But what I learned in prison, and I presume we'll discuss, so many people measure the punishment by the length of the prison term. Yet mm-hmm. there are so many collateral consequences that accompany a felony conviction, whether it's white collar or drug, financial, reputational, career, housing. And and for so many people, an 18 months or two or five year prison sentence, if they don't come home ready with a plan and a strategy, it amounts to a life sentence. And we get many of those calls like, hey, Justin, Mm -hmm. I've been watching your videos or Michael Santos, my partner, prison professors. I've been watching your videos. I'm really struggling. How long have you been home? 11 years. How long did you serve? 18 months. And when we reverse back their decisions before and during prison and what they've done post-prison, it's easy to see why they're struggling. So right. our team encourages people, if you're going, we can't change the past and we can't guarantee what will happen moving forward, but let's get active and create a plan. If not, it will be harder for those that love and support you because as you know, you're suffering and serving this sentence alongside your family. I say that too. It's uh, I wouldn't want to trade places mm-hmm. with either of my parents. Um, I would be absolutely terrified, but at the same time, it is hard on the outside too, not having the access that we 
once did to our parents, mm-hmm. you know, at one point. Um, not being able to pick up the phone. There's just so many different things. We're going to get into that. Kristen, guess who most recently tried RAF 5 skincare? Who was staying in your guest room and got it from your guest bathroom? Who was it? (laughs) It was my nanny and absolutely loves it. And it makes me so happy because these products are so great. Um, I've talked about their product lineup and how they have a little something for everything. Five products, gel cleanser, acne treatment pads, spot on treatment, nighttime moisturizer, SPF hydrating lotion. And it makes me feel good to know that it's plant-based, vegan, and cruelty-free. I sometimes struggle a little bit during that time of the month, um, have those little hormonal breakouts, if that's what we want to call them. And these products are really, really great for helping clear all of that up. We know that I am a big, huge fan of the Clear Away pads. I keep these in my car and in my bathroom. It's a quick way to cleanse and just clear my skin when I'm on the go. I use these after the gym, sometimes when I have a little sweaty workout to try to help prevent any breakouts. And sometimes I honestly just like to clean my face. And this is a really great way to do it. I absolutely love RAF5. I'm so glad Nanny loved it too. I'm a huge, huge fan of the spot on treatment. I know I've talked about it several times, but it's just, it's the best for like those pesky little pimples that you get popping up. You just hit that spot treatment on and it's literally magical and then it's gone. I absolutely love it. If you guys have not had an opportunity to try RAF 5 before, they did give us a discount code and it is Southern 75. You guys can go to raf5.com slash discount slash Southern 75. That's R-A-F-F-I-V-E dot com slash discount slash Southern 75. People are going to definitely ask how we met. Mm -hmm. Um, I found you on a YouTube video. Uh, You did a YouTube with... um, Harvard Lawyer uh, Lee. Harvard Lawyer Lee. Harvard Lawyer Lee. She's great. I think she's from Atlanta. She's great. Yeah. And I was just watching the YouTube video. And then I started kind of doing a little bit of my own research on you. And I was like, it might be a long shot, but I'm going to reach out and see if he answers. And you did. And we became fast friends. That's right. Well, what was interesting about that interview with with Lee, because we haven't met yet, I wasn't critical of your parents or anyone. And I have frequently said there should, if, if a jury convicts someone, I'm not stating there shouldn't be consequences mm-hmm. or I pled guilty. There shouldn't be consequences. But what I strive to convey is what should those consequences be? Right. And I know mm-hmm. I said in that interview, is it in the interest of an enlightened society to warehouse your parents in a minimum security camp for 12 years in seven years? And I know some people are going to say, Oh, you're a sycophant. You're on the show. You're telling them what they want to hear. I said this well before we, we ever met. I, I mm-hmm. believe it. We continue to warehouse people at massive rates at great taxpayer expense. And I believe it gets in the way of what should be our primary focus, which if there are victims, creating a pathway to get them paid in full. If there are victims, you may not be able to replace the loss of the dignity they went through, the pain and shame. But money can help in some mm-hmm. of these very long prison terms get in the way of the number one priority, which should be uh, victims, whomever it is. I actually saw on your Instagram, and it's a point that I definitely want to drive home, that um, definitely not playing a victim card, doing an episode like this, this is strictly for um, information, you know, um, around what my family has faced, what my parents are facing, 
your knowledge. Um, I know that I've seen a lot of comments on your TikTok and um, your Instagram about how you're basically glorifying. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the state? It was like. Well, so I, I filmed a, a video where someone said, what's wrong with you? You act like you love going to, to federal prison. And my response was, I'm not insane. I don't love that I went to prison. So if you're going to go through struggle and pain, let's at least find some meaning through it or it's a total mm-hmm. waste. So our goal is to say, if you are going, what can you do to document the journey, to become productive, to prove worthy of the love and support of your family, and to prepare to emerge to a different world as the felon class. It is an underdog world, and it requires preparation and planning. And we want people to prepare for and understand the realities that that accompany that process. Correct. Um, Also, just want to say, too, that, you know, it's not oh, woe is me. It's simply an experience sharing. I feel like you've done a lot of experience sharing and um, everybody's going to have an opinion. Like everybody has an asshole, you know, it's. Well, I will say after our first call, and I won't get into all of our calls, my wife, Sandra said to me, well, what was the conversation like? And I said, I know Lindsay's very religious, but I would actually identify her very stoical. She never complains. She doesn't blame anyone. She's like, I can't change the past, but I want to learn. I want to understand this system. The more I learn and understand, the more I can help my family, my parents. And I just, you said that I can't change it, but I want to learn and do better moving forward. So I'll never forget sharing that with my wife. And I think that, you know, no matter what it is in life, when you are going through something, um, whether it be marriage struggles, um, you know, fertility issues, family problems, um, in our case, the biggest thing in our life is our parents in federal prison. You have access to things that you, and knowledge to things that you wouldn't have had before without that experience. And so through that, I have realized the um, need for reform. And, you know, I think that a lot of people probably on Reddit will say, why do you care about reform now, when you didn't care about reform before, well, because we did not have parents that were in federal prison and quite honestly, um, just didn't have any knowledge of anything regarding the system. Well, I think you are also authentic because that's an honest, that's an honest answer. And I've shared the same message before I went to prison. I presumed if you were there, you were probably born bad. You deserve Mm -hmm. to be in prison. Then you get there and you recognize how many people did not have opportunities that I took for granted and, and squandered? I was raised mm-hmm. with values, parents parents and coaches that taught me right from wrong. I truly had no excuse to end up on the wrong side of prison boundaries. And then I found perspective and learned from others who had known nothing but struggle, yet didn't complain. They didn't mm-hmm. condemn others. They were making the most of the experience. So like you, I didn't give a thought about reform mm-hmm. until I was standing for count in federal prison. It became a, a passion and a goal to help others emerge successfully, working with my team and primarily my, my partner, Michael Santos. Um, I actually looked up, you know, the definition of what is reform, because I'm sure a lot of people are going to ask, um, attempt to improve conditions inside prisons, effective, effectiveness of the system, implementation of alternate alternatives to incarceration. Reform also includes focus on ensuing the reinstatement of those whose lives are impacted by crimes. Um, to me, a big thing that has been most recently publicly followed with my family has been the conditions. Um, Would love to get your take on your experience inside um, and just what you can share with me on that. Conditions in some 
BOP facilities can be difficult and certainly a shock for someone coming from a, a nice home into this facility, right? For anyone, it, it is certainly a shock. I will say people who go into the system who are brand new to the system only know that system and it's easy to say it's bad. Mm-hmm. From our perspective, going back to when my partner went to prison in 1987, he was here in the penitentiary in Atlanta for eight years and oh, worked really? his way. Yeah, Michael served 26 consecutive years in prison. They told him, you'll never leave the penitentiary. He got an undergraduate master's degree, began to publish, document his release plan. In the last 10 years, he was in a camp. That's where I met him. And he said to me, conditions were tougher in the 80s and 90s. They are now getting better, though, for someone who just surrenders to this institution. They have nothing to compare it to. It's difficult. So when we talk about prison reform, it actually is it, It's getting better. We have a new mm-hmm. director who likes to say we want to make good neighbors, not a, not a good inmate. So changes are coming, but it doesn't change. That's what Colette Peter said. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. change that with a 50,000 person bureaucracy mm-hmm. that has faced a lot of scrutiny from politicians on both the left and right, justifiably mm-hmm. so. It doesn't change that it takes a while for the tone to go all the way down to the bottom, right? right it's, it's, for, 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 new, for the culture to change. So there's no doubt that uh, during COVID, the conditions could have been healthier and, and better. And there mm-hmm. was perhaps some some double talk amongst you need to wear a mask, but there aren't masks. You need to sanitize and wash your hands, but there's no soap here. Mm-hmm. So there, it's a, yeah. how, do, how do I, I'm going to get in trouble, but it's not here. How do I reconcile that? Yeah. Some of these prisons, it gets very hot in the summer. There's no air conditioning and it's brutal. And if someone mentions it, they say, oh, you're complaining. You shouldn't have gone to prison if you were so concerned about the heat. It doesn't change that if you're in prison, there should still be basic rights. You should still be able to be healthy and, and feel productive. So it's not where it should be. But slowly and steadily, we believe it's getting better because of the direction of the new Bureau of Prisons Director. Um, I want to make two points here. Um, My parents have never complained about Mm -hmm. conditions, period. Um, I know that, you know, it's going around TikTok. You have, Mm -hmm. you know, these TikTokers who think that they're reporters and, you know, people on Reddit that are, you know, seeing these, I call them smut mags. You know, Mm -hmm. they, they see you know, people talking to create a buzz, you know, Mm -hmm. and my parents haven't complained. So the, the complaining isn't coming from there. Um, just want to make that very clear. And I also want to make it very clear that my dad never surrendered himself to the federal prison camp in Pensacola thinking that he was going to a Taj Mahal. So I think that, you know, that's also a disconnect there as well. Um, he was, very aware and very prepared as much as you Mm -hmm. can be prepared. You know, you don't really know what you're, you're going into. You can hear things, but you don't know until you see it. Um, But he's done very well. And I think uh, another disconnect that people are missing that my grandparents were factory workers and my dad grew up very middle-class. So it wasn't easy to go back to his roots. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, these are lessons. I mean, it, it wasn't hard to go back to yeah, sure. yeah. So, so it's like I said earlier, just because it's online, it's, it's not true. We've worked with so many people who are going to prison, many of whom are, are celebrities, and, and someone will come home from prison and say, well, let me tell you what it was like serving time with so-and-so. And years ago, I would engage and listen and learn. Mm-hmm. But now I've done it long enough to know, frankly, people are looking, many people lie, they exaggerate, mm-hmm. they misrepresent, because I have emails from our clients who were in custody conveying a fundamentally different message. Like, I don't love that I'm here. Let me tell you about my day. I'm productive. I'm writing. I'm building my plan. I'm teaching a class. I'm like, well, that's a fundamentally different message than I heard from someone who tried to go on a local media outlet to sell a story to get 15 minutes worth of fame. So due diligence matters. Vetting matters. Just because someone says it, it doesn't mean it's true. Right, yeah. And uh, I cannot stress that 
I cannot stress that enough. And I do just want to also say that um, my last visit with my dad, I couldn't stop telling him how great that he looked. Mm -hmm. Um, He looks very, very good. Um, I told him, I said, even your hair looks better a little (laughs) bit longer and a little bit grayer. Um, His nails aren't completely bitten off. like I told you before we started this interview, stress will age anybody. Yep. Um, it definitely aged me through my divorce. So I I know for sure that he is in such a better place. His spirits are great. Um, he is really just embracing the process there and making the best of the process there with the people that are also there serving time with him. He's made great friends. Um, he talks about his friends there. and He'll learn from them. They've had experiences yes. in life both good and bad, you find perspective. They've endured trauma and heartache and pain. It was motivating for me. The only adversity I had, had ever faced at the time was this government investigation. So I didn't know how to respond. And then you go to prison and so many people have known nothing but struggle and heartache and, mm-hmm. and pain. A friend of mine in prison lost his mother and he wasn't able to you know, to go visit. And how do you manage that? How do you stay productive and stay strong for your kids who don't have the resources to visit more than every six months? Yeah. But yet he was he found a way and he lived with dignity. So that was very inspiring to someone like me who's only doing it for 18 months. And to your dad, he should be in a better mood because reform has happened. More mm-hmm. reform is coming. We had the first step back, and we'll talk about this in late 2018, which we've been writing and talking about for 30 years, the idea that prisoners should be able to earn their way home. So when I was in prison in 2008, 2009, success was calendar pages turning. So you got treated the same, whether you watch the Kardashians or the Chrisleys, no offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got treated the same, but now if you incentivize and document it and grow, you can earn your way home from prison more quickly. And we've been writing about it for decades, including my partner's book, Earning Freedom, that he, he wrote alongside me in federal prison in 2008. That's the basis for the First yeah. Step Act that passed a decade later. Now hundreds of thousands of prisoners will benefit. I think more reform is coming, which will get your parents home more quickly. We're excited to see it. Okay, Lindsay, you know that I am constantly asked about, you know, how to find all of the things and how I find the best resources for different situations within work and personal life. And I have to tell you, a bunch of my business owner friends are actually looking for summer help and they're planning their summer hires. And I, of course, told them that they definitely needed to go and use Indeed because you know how much I love them. You do. Um, For those of you who have never heard of Indeed and you need to hire, Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. So you're not going to be spending hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can just do it all with Indeed. I am also big on trying to do something right, but doing something fast and efficient. And I feel like that is where Indeed comes in. You can find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like matching assessments and virtual interviews. And Indeed's US data shows that over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment that they sponsor a job. You guys can join over 3 million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. Indeed knows when you're growing your own business, you have to make every dollar count. And that's why with Indeed, you only pay for the quality applications that match your must-have job requirements. Visit indeed.com slash Southern Tea to start hiring now. Just go to indeed.com slash Southern Tea, indeed.com slash Southern Tea. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application 
pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Can you tell me anything that you know? I'm sure you hear from from clients, your personal experience of what type of crime happens inside prison walls. Um, do you feel like general needs when you were serving your time? Do you feel like your needs were were met or were they not met? Um, just give me a little bit. So there, on the inside, there are things the prison would consider a disciplinary infraction that wouldn't be a federal crime. Just like someone might violate their probation and get sent back to prison, but it's not a, it's not a crime. Mm-hmm. So a number of people in prison do get in to trouble that can extend their stay, that can get them sent to the hole, transferred to a higher security prison. That includes things like not doing your job, using an iPhone, not showing up for work, speaking disrespectfully to staff, acting inappropriately in a visit. So those, those things are part and parcel to serving time in federal prison. And the irony is before people go to prison and we try to prepare them, whether it's through all the free stuff we give away at prison professors or the stuff we do at White Collar Advice that supports prison professors, I say, let's spend time on disciplinary infractions. And right. so many people say, whoa, 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 I'm not going to get into trouble. I'm like, hold on. If I had asked you five or 10 years ago, will it be your name versus the United States of America? What would you have said? And they say, no. So those are the same people that say, I'll never get into trouble in prison. And I get calls from the wives and children saying, oh my goodness, my husband or my son or my brother is in trouble. What do we do? So there are disciplinary infractions that can derail your stay, but there are also new crimes that can be committed. Even using an iPhone mm-hmm. right now inside of a federal prison can lead to a new charge. There are people who are continuing to sell drugs, who are having drugs smuggled in. Drones are coming over some of these minimum security camps, dropping food and drugs and guns and things that are very detrimental to the safety of the prison, but also to the family. And of course, when people get caught, and most do, they then recognize wow, this is harder on my, my family. I would have done things differently, which is what everyone says throughout mm-hmm. the journey if they're not prepared. And that's something we strive to do. Everyone with whom we speak looks back and says, wow, I would have done things differently. And we'll say, well, let's stop that today. Let's not go forward another year and then look back and say, I would have done this differently. It has to end. And that starts with ensuring matters are not made worse inside of the federal prison. But what happens sometimes, Lindsay, is people get there, they're there for three months, six months, and they're like, I got this. Mm-hmm. I understand. I'm it. comfortable so now. They begin to manipulate this environment to their liking without understanding staff is watching. There are prisoners who are informants who may be looking to curry staff to get more commissary, more halfway house time, an extra hard- hard-boiled egg out of the chow hall, mm-hmm. and they'll run and go tell staff. And just like that, you go from the cushy conditions of a minimum security camp to a higher security prison. You lose good time and worse with the prison reform that's here and what's coming, you imperil or weaken yourself to qualify for that. Mm-hmm. So it really requires not giving into temptation and kind of like we teach our children. Or try to, right. Consider every choice you make will influence your life in 10 minutes, 10 weeks, 10 months, 10 mm-hmm. years, 100 years as you build your legacy. Yep. It requires discipline to do that. Yep. Um, I actually covered the Duggars and specifically Josh Duggar mm-hmm. on my other show, Coffee Convos, and just saw in the news that yep, there it is. he's he been le- popped for an iPhone. They took away two months of good time. But here, habits are very hard to change. So you get into a habit of paying for things or using an iPhone. You get caught. And what a lot of people will do on a 10 or 15 or 20-year sentence, they'll say, it's such a long time. I want to enjoy myself here, have more niceties here. And if I get caught, that's a consequence. I'll do an extra two, three months or a year. Who cares? I'm already serving 15 years. But what happens is when that release date comes, Mm -hmm. they will tell themselves, had I done it better, I'd be home. Now Mm -hmm. I'm here longer, but worse by that behavior and the choices they've made, they're only making it harder on those that love and support them and they're not prepared to come home. Um, 
in regards to reform, I know that a lot of people say, or I have read, you know, the naysayers say they only care because of their parents. And there is some truth to that in mm-hmm. a sense, because that's, that's the base point, right? Like mm-hmm. that's our baseline because we have parents that are in prison. However, um, we don't just care because of our parents. Um, we care because we want improvement for all people who are serving time. Um, not our parents singled out. We don't think that they should get better treatment than anybody else that they're serving time with. Um, I'm big on the fact that I don't think that the conditions should be an additional punishment. I I would agree with that. If you're serving time, you should be able to serve it with dignity, have opportunities to to grow, Mm -hmm. to make progress while you're there. But some of the conditions of time can be difficult. Even people who get arrested, they go to the detention center or a county jail. It's inhumane at times. And it really does require a sense of resolve and perspective. And what helped me or what helps a number of people going through this process is trying to tell themselves, this isn't my whole life. It's for a brief window. And some people have endured worse. And that's why, whether it's philosophy, learning from others as a Jew, I was heavily inspired by Viktor Frankl, who wrote Man's Search for Meaning and found dignity found a a purpose of life while watching his family get executed in the concentration camps. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, if he can find meaning in the, in the blue sky without complaining, I can endure time in a minimum security camp. So that perspective was critical to me to get through it with dignity and try not to complain because if you do complain, it only feeds into the idea of, well, here you go again. You're used to this. You're not getting it. You complain, or they'll say you should have thought about this before you broke the law. So it requires stoicism, staying quiet, not complaining, and recognizing that some people have it worse. It's easier said than done. The idea of reform is not a complaint. And I think that a lot of people, you know, hear what they feel like podcasters, reality stars, you know, that mm-hmm. are, you know, walking this journey alongside, our, in our case, our parents or, you know, other reality stars mm-hmm. that have, you know, been through the same journey, um, that it it is a complaint. And just like any other business, there's room for growth everywhere, right? So if the conditions can be better and we can advocate, you know, for that and our voice can be heard, then I want it to be heard. Um, I'm a firm believer that the um, sentencing should should be the punishment, not the conditions where they're serving their sentence. I, I think that's right. I would agree with that. And I do know that reform is is coming, but it takes a, a very long time. But the idea that even my partner who served 26 years in prison, who was once locked up for writing a book, who's now home for 10 years, is influencing and working with the Bureau of Prisons to initiate more change. Mm-hmm. He's touring pr- prisons all across the country to train both staff and prisoners. That never could have happened 5 and 10, 11 or 12 years ago. It never could have happened when I was in federal prison. There was no incentive to advance your release date. And it's, and it's here. So as I mentioned earlier, conditions could be better. They will slowly get better. But I believe we're speaking a year or two years from now, it's going to be measurably further, much further ahead than where we are right now. Mm-hmm. And that's a good thing. Just people don't see it because it's the first and only time they're going to go through it. But with a 30-year perspective that our company has, we can see the growth in, in, in the progress. It's just harder for some people to recognize and see. I feel like, you know, when you have somebody who is very close to you that is serving time. Um, like you said, you want them to be able to serve that time with dignity, yes. be able to do 
programming to, you know, advance their release date. Um, and, you know, the punishment is the time that's being served. Again, not poor conditions. Um, also, being away from your family in itself is a huge punishment. That, that's the, the biggest punishment for for most people. I was lucky. I was 33 when I went to prison. I wasn't married. I didn't have children. And I didn't fully understand it. But now that I've been working in this space since I was released in 2009, I see it from your perspective and point of view. So people in our community, they go to prison, and then I'm working with the families and and, mm-hmm. and the children, and they're left to they're left to deal with it, to, to carry the bags. And it's incredibly, it's incredibly difficult. And it's even harder if their loved one isn't proving worthy of the love and support. If they're not documenting why they're worthy of that support, how they're growing through imprisonment, why they're worthy of an earlier release. There are times where we'll get a call from someone, a wife and say, I'm not going to go back for a few months. It's just, it's expensive to get there. It's time consuming and he's not making progress. I don't want to do it. I'm enduring enough out here. Mm-hmm. And of course, most others say, I don't love that he's there, but I'm proud of him. He's not complaining. He's making the most of it. He's teaching. He's inspiring. He's making the most of every single day because we don't want it to be a life sentence for so many people with a felony record. They serve their time. They come home. They struggle to react to depression, substance abuse issues, housing it's very difficult the felon class, which is why the moment someone gets to prison, they need, regardless of the conditions, regardless of what staff or other prisoners may tell them, they need to begin preparing for their inevitable release because if they can do that, life on the other side is easier. Um, in Australia, I believe that it is once you serve your time, they consider that your punishment, and when you get out, your record is not here. We have, what is it? I think we have five percent of the world's population, but we warehouse twenty five. We, we incarcerate twenty five percent of the world's prisoners, and that comes down to understanding the stakeholders. We have a system that loves to, to send people to prison at high rates. Many people we believe should not be in prison if they're victims. They should be working. And we've had people who were. We've had. I've been to sentencing hearings, Lindsay, where victims are telling the judge, "Please don't sentence him to prison. I need him to work so he can pay us back." please don't sentence him to prison. We need him to work. Mm-hmm. And the judge will say, these are the sentencing guidelines. I need to make an example out of him. I can't treat him differently than this person. And I understand that. But if the goal is victims mm-hmm. and getting them paid back, it's in the interest that taxpayers are not warehousing them in a minimum security camp. And that uh. said person is working and able to pay back mm-hmm. who we are told is the most, who are the most important people, the victims. And at times it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I've said that the math doesn't math. Make it make sense. Yeah. Specifically, white-collar crimes. Restitution is ordered, but then you're going to house them where taxpayers are paying. Right. And you're going to pay for their incarceration. Then you're going to minimize um, their ability to be able to get out in you know, everyday society, to be able to actually do what they were possibly doing before they went in, like in my parents' case, reality TV, if my dad did serve his entire sentence, which is what, 10 or 12, 12 years, years yeah, but 12. minus the 15% statutory much less. Time, it'll be much less, thankfully. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of opportunities that aren't going to be there that, that once were. So what's more important? You, you want him to be in a, a federal prison camp or you want the restitution paid back? And that's the change that we, we want to see. So with the First Step Act passing in 2018 that allows prisoners to participate in program, the program that can take an additional year off their sentence, 
there are things in the First Step Act that can happen without congressional approval. So we're at, just like we advocated for the First Step Act going back to 1987 through the book Earning Freedom that Michael wrote in 2008, it eventually passed a decade later. We're hoping and advocating for things like work release. And this is what Michael is talking about with the Bureau of Prisons when he's speaking in federal prisons, the idea that, okay, if you're in prison, what about leaving to work, making money, sending a good portion of that money back to the victim so everyone everyone mm-hmm. is benefiting? Or, or how about bringing parole back? So if you get a 10-year sentence, perhaps in the federal system, after two or three years, you go in front of a parole board and say, I'm not about happy talk and cliches. Here's what I've done every single day since I've been in prison. Here's how I'm building a new record as a law-abiding citizen. Here's the programming, what I've learned from it, how I'm benefiting. Mm-hmm. Parole board, examine it. G- please give me an honest assessment. And if you think I'm worthy of an earlier release, release me, let me go home, work, and pay the victims back. If we had something like that after someone served a percentage of their sentence, I think it incentivizes people in prison to work harder, to educate themselves, because they know there's an opportunity for an earlier release. Because studies show the longer we expose someone to the system of corrections, the less likely they are to succeed upon release. Right. Yeah. So we'd love to see parole come back in some form, which would require... Now, if somebody doesn't want to do it, if they want to watch TV and complain all day, that's fine. You serve the whole sentence. Yeah. You're not documenting why you're worthy of an earlier release. We want to incentivize people to educate themselves and to document it and share it with all stakeholders, their judge, their probation officer, their family. Share it, create it, and be proud of it. Kristen, I have to tell you, we know that I love to have my phone conversations while I'm taking a shower. I am big on trying to multitask. And someone was asking me about podcasts that I was talking to and asked me if I listened to any. And I said, I regularly don't, but I have gotten into the Pioneer Woman podcast with Reed Drummond and absolutely love it. If you guys have not listened yet, I'm sure you've heard us talk about this podcast at this point. Um, She started with an award-winning blog, thepioneerwoman.com in 2006. Rhea is a writer, a photographer, ranch wife, and mother to five children. And on this podcast, you'll hear her cook easy big family recipes with all of her tips and tricks and go on family adventures. So it's really fun. We know that I absolutely love the Pioneer Woman. And it was funny because we were having a little get together over the weekend. And I was asked by my mother-in-law, what can I bring for an appetizer? So I actually sent my mother-in-law the episode Building Pens because the chili con queso in there is absolutely so good. And now she knows how to make it. And she said that she's going to make it for like every get together she has because it was a hit. I love the cowboy tailgating recipe. Big, big, big fan. Big fan of Italian food. And there is an amazing garlic cheese bread recipe on that episode. Great lasagna as well. And we all know I love a good Sunday fun day. And the Sunday brunch episode is really good with so many different recipes on there. So if you guys have not listened to this podcast, you truly are missing out. You can listen to The Pioneer Woman wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big you know, advocate for home confinement. And I'm sure a lot of people would say, yeah, sure you are. Um, because it's a cush home or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. And that actually has nothing to do with it. Um, I think that if you can pay for your own incarceration and then you can also be a contributing member of society and pay back whatever restitution that has been ordered and you're also put on a monitoring device, Mm -hmm. 
I don't understand why they, the United States of America feels that it is better to, to put specifically white collar in prison camps. So there's, there's a lot to break down there, including prison. It's a big industry. It employs a, a number of mm-hmm. people. You shop in the commissary, you're going to see Coca-Cola, Pepsi, Hershey, tuna, mackerel. So you, there's a lot of companies that do business, very expensive to make phone calls from federal prison, pretty expensive to send that email. Actually not right now. No, it's free during COVID, but we suspect at some point it's coming back. Just like at some point prisoners are going to continue to have to pay the 25% they earn in the halfway house Mm -hmm. to live there. So these, these things probably will, will come back. The idea of, of home confinement. The nice thing is, unfortunately COVID happened, but through the prison population, thousands of people went to home confinement because of COVID and it was a massive success. So yeah, few I could people, imagine. So few prisoners recidivated and broke the law and went back, proving, to your point, that home confinement works. It reduced taxpayer expense. Mm-hmm. The person is then working, and guess what they're doing? They're prioritizing the victims. Now, people may say, you make restitution payments in prison. Sure. It's called financial responsibility program, but it's minuscule it's, because you're making 15 cents an hour or $20 a month. Yeah, And it's very difficult to make a real dent into it. But some people who have built businesses and who have the ability really to earn or in a position with court approval and their probation officer to send the lion's share of it to the defendants. It's a win-win for taxpayers. But most importantly, it should always be about the victims if they are created. And it's an opportunity to get them whole more quickly. Um, and in your opinion, uh, does incarceration in cases of nonviolent offenses allow for the victim to receive justice? Not always. Right. If no, no. If, if there's I've been to I've been to sentencing hearings where the victims will say, send them to prison, give them the maximum, give them the maximum. And I've spoken with some victims who reach out to me and say, it's not really in my interest for him to serve seven years because it's that much longer that he can even get acclimated and get me paid again. So the, this comes back to our first conversation. We have never said there shouldn't be consequences for breaking the law right. ever. The question is. What should the consequence be? Should it be warehousing Todd Chrisley or Julie Chrisley for 12 and seven years or my partner, Michael Santos, for 26 years for a nonviolent drug crime? What should the punishment be? And we would argue if someone is documenting and proving worthy of that earlier release, Mm -hmm. they should be incentivized to come home earlier. And that puts the victims first and foremost. And, And like I mentioned, I've been to sentencing hearings where victims have told the judge he made a mistake. Please, we, we, we believe that he can make the money back. But there's also cynicism within the criminal justice system because I've been to sentencing hearings where the U.S. attorney will say, this money's never going to get paid back, Your Honor. Please, he says he's making amends and he identifies with the victims. He's never going to pay the money back. Well, I did. Mm-hmm. People do. It's mm-hmm. possible with work and a plan and, and a new career and rebuilding. So there's a great deal of uh, cynicism. Uh, mm-hmm. From the other side, they, they view us as criminals and they believe that we say we're sorry because we got caught which is why we need to document and build a new record through our own. Only we can do that, Lindsay. I I stress that on every one of our calls. And if they did that, it gets people closer to making their victims whole. I'm a big advocate for for home confinement. Um, I actually read a blog post on prison professors, Mm -hmm. which I think is really great. I'm going to link it for everybody who's listening to this episode um, for you guys to be able to read. Um, Very interesting. Lots of lots of great information there. Um, there was a concern for me when ahead of my parents' report date, and you know, you you want to be strong and tell them that everything's going to be fine, even though you're questioning if everything's mm-hmm. going to be fine. One of my biggest concerns was the access to televisions and a question that I asked you, like, do you think that people have seen Chris Lee Knows Best? 
that are serving time in these camps? And um, simply the answer, I, I know the answer now is, is yes. Um, well, it's a po- popular show. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, you know, my parents were were welcomed with open arms, mm-hmm. and I I feel so blessed with that because I have heard of, you know, other people reporting and, and that not being the case. So I do feel like we're so blessed in that regard, but, um, there's also a little higher level of, as us Jews say, it takes a lot of chutzpah to go to trial. So when you go to say, (laughs) okay, that's a good word if your listeners don't know, but to go to the odds of prevailing at trial, as you know, are very low. So to go through it, knowing the odds are against you, and then to endure the conviction and a lengthy prison term with your dignity and to plan, still finding meaning, connecting with your family, it's hard to do. And it can be inspirational to other prisoners who say, I wanted Mad to go to... respect for you, dude, because... There, there's, there, you... there's some truth to that. I think when my, my partner went to the penitentiary in 1987 for a 45-year sentence, of which he served 26 years, he's 23 years old in the penitentiary, but he went to trial. Mm-hmm. He lost. He made a lot of bad decisions. There's a different level of, of respect and, frankly, admiration that follows having the courage to fight the U.S. government because it is very hard to sway a jury of your peers. When they see United States of America versus your name, it's very hard to argue that this is an objective. I'm not a, yep. It's just very hard to argue that it's a objective. And I will tell you, I don't know anyone. We're not criminal defense attorneys, so we don't bear the responsibility for it. In the years that I've been in this game, I've never known anyone to prevail at trial. And I can assure you, some of those people who lost a trial were innocent. Mm-hmm. Many have prevailed on an appeal but it's just very it's very difficult to to win a trial which my parents are in the process yes. of filing their appeal um but yes trial is a very very scary thing um one thing that that I've learned is that the government rarely loses well they have endless ever. They, yeah well that's <laughs> another thing people say oh the celebrities and rich people are trying to buy their way out of prison and my argument is they have they have end, the government has endless resources our tax mm-hmm. dollars and time even if you had a Fifty mil, hundred million dollars. It doesn't compete with the unlimited resources uh, of the U.S. government. If so people, it's very hard to prevail. If people even had any idea what it costs to defend yourself against the United yes. States government, yes. you know, a, a lot of people just do not have access to be able to do that. And so ultimately, they might plead guilty, even though they might be innocent because they don't have the money to to take it to trial. There's a lot of truth to that. You can't, the, the, the risks of winning are low together with the expense. A lot of people mm-hmm. don't have it. So they do what so many, they cut their losses and they try to mitigate and uh, take a deal. And many of them, I get calls till this day. They'll say, I feel unethical. I feel like a fraud signing this mm-hmm. plea agreement. I, I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for many people to accept uh, that they've done it, that they broke the law. or Responsibility they fel- for something that they didn't do. Or they felt cajoled. And there's no mm-hmm. doubt, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but there's no doubt that there are people serving time in a minimum security camp or federal prison in general. Mm-hmm. We see it every day. CNN, Fox, someone released after 20, 30 years for a crime they didn't do. There mm-hmm. are people in prison who are not who are not guilty, and, and we empathize with them. It was very easy, by the way, for me to go to prison because, because I did it. So mm-hmm. it was easier for me to, to serve time. When someone says what well, was gray, I don't think it, I don't think I broke the law. Yet I pled guilty. It's harder for that person to serve the sentence. Um, I want to touch on the psychological and um, emotional impact that you go through as a family that is, you know, serving alongside you on that the outside, and we're going through very different emotions than I couldn't even imagine what my parents are going through on the inside, and that that separation. Um, 
I actually, in one of my first emails to my dad, asked him because they were both very active in therapy and and talked about that on their podcast and, you know, shared with their listeners their journey with therapy and that whole process. I asked him, are there any mental health services that um, you have access to? And I can't get a direct answer from him. Um, so I wanted to ask you. There, there, there are some. A lot of it, there are some programs. Our programs are in prisons all across the country and we're focused on changing behavioral lifestyles and developing values and skills and whatnot. Mm-hmm. There are some programs. A lot of the, the, the benefits of programming are self-paced and self-directed, doing it on your own. Mm-hmm. There are some programs within the prison, some of which are, are, are very good, some led by the prison. We do feel it, it's getting better. It wasn't great while I was on the inside. There were prisoners who were required to go see a psychiatrist or psychologist, mm-hmm. and they felt like it wasn't productive and that the physician or the psychologist worked more for the prison and had their interests, and the person could feel as if they could open up because I'm in prison. If I say something, it could work against me. I can get into trouble. Mm-hmm. So it's a difficult dynamic when the prison cares about security of the institution and keeping costs down, right? Mm-hmm. So. It's uh, It doesn't make people feel better when I say it's getting better, but all I can say is it's slowly getting better. Um, I I feel like that maybe as much as we, um, I advocate for, you know, mental health mm-hmm. on both of my shows regularly. I, I talk about it in therapy and the journey with my therapy just in general. And I feel like when you incarcerate someone, especially, you know, really any level um, of incarceration, there should be an emphasis on mental health. They're away from their family. They're away from everything that they've ever known. Um, why would that not be at the forefront? But then I think back, we've really only really started brushing the surface of mental health, talking about it and it not being taboo. I, I think that's right too. The, the, the problem is See, when you commit a crime, there's an otherness to committing a crime, people would say. If if someone gets cancer, of course you have empathy for that person. They didn't choose it. But if someone commits a crime, it's harder to get that level of sympathy for the the defendant and also the family, who is as much a victim as anyone. It's Mm -hmm. it's just awful, especially in the age of Google. People in our community, teenagers, it's it's the hardest. They go to the Department of Justice issues these scathing press releases, many of them, and then the Times, and everyone picks it up. We've known people, they go to school and kids have gotten the press releases and they post it mm-hmm. you know, on the window. Imagine walking into your seventh grade class and there's a, a press release of your father who's in prison and kids are mocking and, and making fun of you. We've had people change, want to change your last names, move out of town. It's brutal. And it, the prisoner can feel really helpless because he's in custody. So how can I manage that? How can I change that mm-hmm. if I'm facing a very long prison term? It requires a great deal of, of resolve and, and planning mm-hmm. to help the family get through it. But they are as much a victim as anyone, and I empathize with them because they're often forgotten about. Okay, I know the times we're in right now. Most of us are living paycheck to paycheck or even struggling to make ends meet, and it could be really, really stressful, especially when unexpected expenses come up. And I have a solution for you. With Dave, you can get your money sooner, so without worrying about how much money you have to get through the week. 
even if it's a medical expense or you just need gas or something unexpected happens at home, Dave is definitely there for you. Dave is the banking app that could help you get up to $500 instantly with extra cash. With Dave, there's no interest, no late fees, or a credit check. I am big, big, big on having great credit. So we don't need all those pesky inquiries on our credit reports. So this is a big solution for you. And I've definitely shared this with everybody I know. So that's more money to fill your tank, finally get your car repaired, catch up on bills um, without having to wait for your next paycheck. You can finally tackle those expenses that have been stressing you out. Millions of people have already downloaded the Dave app to get the financial relief that they need with extra cash. So if you're in a pinch, need some extra help, download Dave and think of it as a helping hand from future you. Download the Dave app from the app store right now or go to dave.com slash Southern T Dave.com slash Southern T sign up for an extra cash account and get up to $500 instantly for terms and conditions. Go to Dave.com slash legal instant transfer fees apply banking services provided by evolve bank and trust member FDIC. Um, I regularly talk about, um, natural consequence parenting. I'm very much mm-hmm. a natural, natural consequence parenter. Um, for anyone who's listening who does not know what natural consequence parenting is, um, it's basically natural consequences um, for kids. It's an inevitable result of their behavior that just happens naturally without having to have adult interference um, results imposed by nature, society. Mm. Um, I, I think that I tell Jackson all the time the – Punishment has to, the crime has to match, or the punishment has to match the crime. Um, the, I regularly use this example of wearing a jacket. I tell Jackson, hey, go outside, but you need to put on a jacket first. It's really cold. This might sound harsh, mm. and you hate having to do it because you never want to see your kids suffer. Um, but there's a consequence for everything, right? So if you choose not to put on the jacket, then you're going to get locked out and it's going to be cold outside. And the next time Mm -hmm. you're going to wear your jacket, right? Because you don't want to be cold. Um, And I feel like that that is a great disciplinary method um, that is positive reinforcement. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't really feel like the system works like that, though. There's some truth to that. Right, it's it's punitive in nature. It needs to become more correct. Yeah, it needs to become more reform minded. It's it's coming. It happens slowly, and if we can create a system where we identify with victims, recognize yes, there should be a consequence if someone broke the law. But mm-hmm. what's in the interest of of an enlightened society? How can mm-hmm. victim? How can how can people feel? How can we try to create a, a win win? How can okay, they've been punished? They've served their time, but we try to articulate. It's not just the prison term. That's hard for the rest of your life and your parents' life. There will there will be this stain of a felony conviction and and prison term. Now, through hard work and building deliberately and slowly, you can overcome it and build a new record. But it doesn't change that it existed. So mm-hmm. we continue to stress: yes, there should be consequences. But I think, and I've said this well before we ever met. For mm-hmm. those who, if you're thinking I'm saying this because we're close friends and I'm on your show, I said it on Lee's podcast. It is absurd to warehouse your dad for 12 years and Julie for, it is sickening. It is tragic. Yeah. And, and there are tens of thousands of those stories across the country. And there are people who sl- take pleasure in the pain of others. So they'd love to see 
see him buried underneath the prison. There are people who we, we will never sway or convert, and that's okay. I do believe in time, and maybe not in our lifetime to mm-hmm. the point where we like, but it is slowly getting better. We got to incentivize people to work their way home from prison earlier rather than calendar pages turning. We've been writing about it for 30 years. It, it's, it's, it's coming. But I, um, I remember saying that on that show. I think it's a sickening tragedy to, to warehouse him for 12 years in prison. I mean, I would would tend to agree, and it's not just because I know. it's my dad. I, I, you you, know? But you, it's... we've discussed this with other cases, and you and you feel this. there's always going to be cynics and people we can't convert, and we don't mm-hmm. want to convert them, and that's fine because they love seeing a celebrity. Hopefully, they want them to suffer in prison. They want them to suffer. Mm-hmm. We can't change that. that. That's okay. All we can do is articulate our principled beliefs, which is we warehouse too many people. People should be able to earn their way home more more quickly as my partners articulated since 1987 and recognize we need to, to, to see more change and reform. And if our ideas for change and reform didn't start until I went to prison or until your parents went to prison, let's own it. Let's talk about it. It doesn't mean we don't want to do it and we're not fully committed to the, to the cause. Um, just want to say too, on the, the celebrity uh, air quotes on that front, there's definitely truth to everything that you're saying because I do feel, and I'm a big true crimer, so, mm-hmm. you know, I watch a lot of true crime, most recently the Alec Murdoch, and do I think that he is guilty? Absolutely. Um, did I think that that judge was going to slam down on maximum on mm-hmm. him? Absolutely thought so. Absolutely think that he deserved it. Um, however, in in my parents' case, I, I believe that the consequences do not match the alleged crime um, and, you know, you even see it in the, the press statements from the U.S. Attorney's Office, you know, talking about, you know, how you can't do X, Y, and Z, and uh, essentially that they're making examples out of celebrities. Like, I don't, I don't believe that any human should be treated any differently than any other human, regardless of the walk that, you know, you go down in life. Well, what's ironic about your, your parents' case Banks were responsible, people would argue, for the, the crating, cratering of our economy in 2008, 9, 10, and 11. I used to joke when I was in prison, I'm choosing to sit out this recession. So our, yeah. <laughs> our economy was in the toilet. There is nobody, no, no greater enmity or loathing than the banks. Yet apparently when they may be a victim, despite the fact that they get into trouble and write billion-dollar settlement checks, right? Yep. A billion, three, it's built into their business model. It's the mm-hmm. cost of doing business loathe and hate them. It's okay then. (laughs) Nobody loves the banks when they're destroying our economy. Yet apparently when a celebrity, they say, defrauds them, now we come to the, to the defense of the big banks. There should, there should be consequences. Again, I'm not excusing it. I'm just asking people to consider in the interest of an enlightened society, should we be warehousing people at great taxpayer expense? It should be shorter. If it's shorter, they should be earning their way home and documenting why they're going to be law abiding citizens upon release. That's better for victims. It's better for the family. It's better for taxpayers. And perhaps we can utilize those resources for depression or homelessness or all of the issues that plague our country. I live in Orange County now. I was in Los Angeles last week. I'm walking. I see people injecting themselves with drugs. They're defecating on the corner and people, we just walk by. It's so normal. It's just, we're not even shook by it any longer. I'd prefer to see resources go in that direction rather than warehousing people that shouldn't be warehoused. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to end on this last question because I'm sure a lot of people will send me DMs to, to mm-hmm. ask me about this. Um, and I'm quite certain that um, I had posted a Q&A and that's where this question came from. But how do you plan to further 
involve yourself and what initiatives um, are for, for me, but what initiatives also for you are you working on regarding reform? My answer is quite simple. Um, I'm in the process of educating myself Mm -hmm. as much as possible. Um, I think that we can all talk about how we want to do something, but educating yourself to further your pursuit is important to me because without the proper education, how can you advocate for something that you don't have knowledge of? Um, You and I have talked for quite some time now, and um, I have been learning and watching the available webinars that you and um, your business partner, Michael Santos, Um, and speaking with Michael Santos' wife, Carol, um, and her knowledge of BOP medical has been very, um, interesting, enlightening, scary, informative. (laughs) Um, I was trying to think of all of the words that I could, could use, um, that, that to me is the biggest, the biggest concern is, is BOP medical. It's there. By the way, they got married when Michael had eleven years left in prison. That's a, a that's a great story. He put wow. her. Michael put Carol through nursing school while while he was in prison. It's it's a wonderful story. Uh, healthcare in prison at times is lacking, which is why it's vital if a defendant has health issues that it's properly disclosed in the probation report. So many defendants don't properly prepare for the probation report. They think it's a ten minute interview, then they go to prison. They need treatment or medical needs. The first thing a case manager or warden is going to look at is the probation interview. And if it's not in there properly, you really weaken yourself. We encourage people to go through the Bureau of Prisons formulary list to get an idea of medications you're taking now compared to what you may receive on the inside. A lot of medications you currently take, you, you won't receive. So we, you have to understand policy, right? It's, a lot of people say you can't do this, just like they say you can't run a business or write a book in prison. There's a policy statement that allows you to write a book in prison. Michael wrote dozens. He helped, me write, he helped me write my book, Lessons from Prison. So you have to understand policy, and you have to understand how to work your way through the system and advocate for yourself. Lawyers are not involved in that, mm-hmm. that process. So yes, it's difficult, but transparency and full disclosure throughout the whole journey, letters from physicians, the medications you're taking need to continually be shared with the stakeholders in prison. And only then will you get, will you inch closer to getting what it is you want, which is the, the, the treatment that you need. And there are times where you may get injured in prison and they don't treat you to the degree that that happened with me. And you just have to endure some of it and get, and get through it as, as best you possibly can. And it can. has nothing to do with um, needing top notch, you know, medical mm-hmm. celebrity doctors. That's not what I'm advocating for. Just, I believe that anybody who is incarcerated should be entitled to the same medical as if they were not. I would absolutely agree with that. And unfortunately, that is not often the case. Mm-hmm. It's a subjective. Some prisons are, are better than, than, than others. Mm-hmm. So if people say, should I go to this prison or this prison? Generally, they're, they're all the same. It's your mindset, your willingness to prepare. Mm-hmm. That said, there are some prisons where staff may be more amenable to helping and, and following through. When you're dealing with human beings, to the extent our approach is to the extent that you can influence them and put yourself in the shoes of the stakeholders, a judge, a case manager, a warden, a prosecutor, your lawyer, mm-hmm. to the extent that you can put yourself in their shoes and ask yourself, what are they thinking? What do they think about me? They think I'm a criminal. They think I said I'm sorry only because I got caught. They think I'm making up this medical condition because I want special treatment. Only the prisoner or the defendant can document it and build mm-hmm. a record over time because they expect us to lie. The only way is to build it and document it. That, you, our message, one goal from this the podcast today is if the prisoner doesn't learn to self-advocate, they're not going to get what they want. And too many of those people walk around a minimum security camp complaining and lamenting and blaming others for their plight in life 
in part because they're not willing to do the work. You've got to self-advocate if you want to get through this really wretched system. Thank you so much for joining the Southern Tea today. Can you tell my listeners where they can find you? Yes. All of everything we really give away through Prison Professors Nonprofit. So prisonprofessors.com, as I mentioned, my partnership, 26 consecutive years in prison. He now travels the country uh, training both staff and prisoners in federal prisons. Imagine that. A guy did it 26 years, sent to the hole for writing a book, is now going to prisons all across the country to implement our trainings. We're working with the Bureau of Prisons to lead to more policy to lead to more change like the First Step Act, which our work is helping hundreds of thousands of prisoners. So prisonprofessors.com, it's all free. I run White Collar Advice, which is the biggest sponsor of Prison Professors <laughs> Nonprofit. So when some people want to work with, with our team to prepare for sentencing in prison, they'll retain us through White Collar. If they don't have the resources, they can get absolutely everything for free through Prison Professors Nonprofit. And um, I'm grateful to be here, grateful to be, to be your friend and to share insights on how people can better prepare for this journey, including how family members can learn to get through this experience with their loved ones. I'm grateful for the opportunity. Thanks so much. And I hope that you guys have a great week and we'll talk to you soon. All month long on Pluto TV, stream the biggest Tyler Perry movies free. Watch your favorites like Medea's Witness Protection and Medea's Big Happy Family. Join Tyler Perry as he goes on a couples retreat with Sharon Leal in Why Did I Get Married? Or Idris Elba and Gabrielle Union in the Tyler Perry directed film Daddy's Little Girls. Plus, Pluto TV has hundreds of channels with thousands more movies and TV shows available on live and on demand. Download the free Pluto TV app on all your favorite devices and start streaming now. Pluto TV, drop in, watch free.